Welcome to Deer Shooter from beautiful downtown rural Pavilion, Wyoming. Out here in the snow and cold, we got llamas, we got goats, and we got a ton of topics to talk about today on... Of course I'm happy. I'm just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it. How? Feel the love. There it is. <laughs> and Brandy chimes in. All of the sensibilities of that. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. And welcome to Deer Shooter. We've got the crew assembled, and we have a very special guest for you today. We are sitting here with Brian Cross. Don't mind me over here. I actually have the 511 guide to what is tactical out right now, and... Is size sixty two tactical or not? I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm looking at the uh, the ratios here and see if it does fall in the the tactical range, if you will. I think you're talking about squeal team six. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, gravy seals in the house. <laughs> Built for comfort, not for speed. Yeah, that's uh, actually on my online profile, if you've read it. Uh, Is that Farmers built, Only? Built, yeah, Farmers Only, built for comfort, not for speed. More of a Husqvarna than a Harley. So th- we started out today uh, getting an education. Brian um, came and dropped a whole bunch of truth bombs on us about how sound works, and we're hoping the rest of you guys uh, appreciate the changes we're going to make. Yes, that was Fantastic. Thank you for that, Brian. Yeah, no worries. Unfortunately, this darn uh, professional audio thing has gotten in the way of my shooting for so many years. Uh, finally got to put it to use today and actually uh, make it beneficial to all of us. Right. And, hey, you got a little crossover going on. Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with that. So, Brian, when you come home to Wyoming, Wyoming is home, right? Wyoming is absolutely home. Born and raised here. Never not called it home. Uh, do have a couple other uh, places uh, to live, we'll call them, but definitely not home. Um, you know, absolutely love it out here. Uh, you know, Wyoming plates on all the cars, Wyoming driver's license, uh, county 10 till the end of time. Now, was it your Hummer I saw driving around the other day that had a, what was it, a hybrid sticker on it? You know, um, it, it may or may not have had a hybrid sticker on there. I think that was a prank of uh, one of my employees. Uh, deciding they wanted to uh, convert my uh, Hummer over to a, a hybrid and uh, see what the wonderful uh, Prius folks thought about that. Uh, I heard, what, you, I heard you get like a hate mail for that. You know, a lot of hate mail. That was almost as good as my uh, my Biden sticker that went on uh, one of Jason's employees' uh, vehicles for a little while. It took him a week to figure out why he was getting cut off and flipped off in traffic in downtown you know, it's, it's the little things, really. It, it really is. It was actually really amusing to watch because he really got spun up about people not liking him all of a sudden. Yeah, this this Hummer runs on hugs and rainbows. We're all good here. So the, back to the question is, when you come home, um, obviously you came home this time to an icebox, but what do you typically pull out of your safe first and go play with? Oh, well, what we did this time, I went from a beautiful 77 degrees at house number one to a minus 17 at house number two. Uh, Not too good at math at the moment, thanks to Coors Light, God's beer. And, uh, you know, I think 94 degrees swing in uh, the course of 12 hours of uh, flying out here. Um, You know, first thing that actually came out of the safe was a nice, uh, it wasn't even the safe. This this came from uh, my wonderful, wonderful FFL friend. Uh, It was a beautiful Louis Vuitton semi-automatic 12-gauge. That was a Typhoon, if I'm not... Yeah, Typhoon X12, the uh, wonderful people at Typhoon knocked up for me. Um, Because designer 12-gauges, why not? Now, you have that paired with a couple other selections of firearms. Yeah, that one matches with a wonderful uh, Louis Vuitton uh, Glock 19 um, in the designer firearm section of the safe. 
I don't I I don't have a designer firearm section. Am I missing something? No, I I really don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about audience. You got to know who it's, you're shooting with. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, um, the way that we all kind of fell in with Brian, Brian was the very first purchaser of a Lucid Optics HD7, which still to this day uh, lives on top of a Chris Super Vector uh, SBR. It uh, was zeroed maybe 10 years ago or so. I've been 2009, yeah, a little longer than that. Yeah, oh, goodness. that's That's been, uh, again, thanks, Coors Light, for the calculator. Um, but it's been uh, holding zero since then. It's still in operation. I actually just did uh, my battery change on all my firearms today and all the optics and lasers and flashlights and other battery-operated accoutrements on them. And uh, I tell you what, that, that optic is still alive and kicking, Jason. So we did a decent job at least putting that one together. Yeah, and I've beat the hell out of that thing, man. I have. You know, you've seen that Chris just get thrown in out of the back of the Humvee and drug out and be like, oh, yeah, I, I can knock that target out real quick. Boom. I mean, I think the last time I saw you pull that one out, you you drove in and your, 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 it was an H1 slant back, I believe, and you had a custom-built drawer just for the range. As one should. <laughs> And I'll attest to the durability. I mean, I I hucked an MLX down a rock face. Um, At after, gunsight, yes. Yeah, I'd had a, a very first squib of my life in a timed event. Um, something didn't feel right, and I just hucked the rifle, grabbed my spotter's gun to finish the stage, um, retrieved my gun afterwards, cleared the squib, and it still held zero. Absolutely. You know, the hardest thing is getting that C battery uh, changed out in that. That's a C battery, right, Jason? If you got a C battery in there, you're more motivated than I thought you were. You know, it, it, it took a little percussive maintenance to get that little fella in, but, you know, it uh, had some extra parts laying around after. But, it, whew, I tell you, for the listeners at home, it is not a C battery. Well, and yeah, it, it, it's a AAA, and Coors Light is not an official sponsor. However, they do contribute to the shenanigans. Although, if they would like to be, I would welcome the phone call. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, back on topic, uh, you know, first thing out of the safe, typically I'll grab a couple pistols. I'll go out and plink around. Um, I've had the good fortune of being forced into the air gun world. Uh, middle of pandemic, I got a call to do a uh, television show based in air guns, a TV show called American Air Gunner Challenge, and had not known anything about the air gun side so here comes the wonderful folks at umrex and a ton of guns out and uh tried them out and i tell you what like right in the backyard you are just shooting away you're not running to the range you are uh, improving your mechanics your skills your reading of wind everything in the air world it's so cool so i, I gotta ask how does a wyoming redneck like you get national coverage on a tv show for air guns well i think it was my glowing personality that uh kind of hauled him in but uh no one of my really good friends uh was on the inaugural season of that show uh amazing shooter named Aiden hansen uh great hog hunter um just awesome awesome human being uh he was uh the shooter for umarex in season one of the tv show which is a, a huge success on outdoor channel and uh, I was actually sitting up at the uh, Lucid Optics office when I got a call from um, Iden and the president of Umarex saying, hey, you want to be on a television show? And I was like, well, ain't got much else to do with this darn pandemic going on, so why the heck not? And uh, there we are. Interesting. So some random dude from Wyoming gets national coverage on an air gun TV show, and they ship you out a truckload of gear to play with so you got familiar and from my drinking buddy, you disappeared because you spent all your waking time learning air guns. Yeah, we, we threw a whole lot of L5s and P7s on top of all those things and treated it like a job. Like, I've never seen these things before. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know, you know, the, the flight paths of a pellet versus a bullet. And it is vastly different. It was a lot to learn. But if you're going to do anything, you do it 110%. And you'd knock it out of the park. And it was a blast. How did you find the contrast between what I know you're good at with centerfire 
to sending pellets by air. You are shooting uh, a pellet that is vastly different in mass and vastly different in velocity out of a firearm. Every little bit of wind is so much more sensitive on that projectile. You know, on a 6.5, you're able to cut that wind. You're able to, to, you know, let velocity and mass be your friend to bucket a little bit. On a pellet, you don't have that luxury. You're, you're one little gust of gone. You're, you're one foot right. Well, and even outside just the sheer environmentals of it all, as a training opportunity, how's your mechanics have to get refined? I mean, does the air gun work make you a better centerfire shot? It makes you a 20-fold better shooter because your mechanics are so much more sensitive, we'll call them, to the firearm. You know, one little flinch here, one little twitch there, that pellet is, is you know, foot off at 100 yards. You know, uh, centerfire, you have a little more... Uh, you know, kind of, kind of forgiving, if you will. You know, and and centerfire. We start looking at long range in the eight hundred to twelve hundred yard range, um, and we start calling ELR anything out past a mile. So, in the pellet world, what is the difference in ranges and similarities? Yeah, I have a lot of my friends that are doing you know three four hundred yard air gun shots. You know, and for me, you know, hundred yard. On a twenty-two caliber air rifle, you know, shooting a thirty-three grain projectile at nine hundred and eighty feet per second. I think the translation to that would be about a thousand-yard shot with a six-five. Um, That's a fair statement. And you know, I tell you, the wind, the environment, the everything is just so much more sensitive in that world. It makes you really hone in on your mechanics. And make sure, you know, your foundation is set, your wind read is set, your follow-through is set. And, you know, when you get out of the air world, you jump back to center fire, you'll notice you are a vastly improved shooter from, you know, kind of putting yourself under the microscope of the air world. You know, I think uh, me and you went out last time I was in town and, uh, you know, drug the 338 out, and it was like, oh, you know, 1,000-yard shots is nothing. Like, we're walking out and back in 25-mile-an-hour wind, and, you know, it's all day long. No, I remember that day. You didn't have any problems connecting. Your your shooting skills had refined quite a bit. Uh, how do you see that the, the glass that we both put on both of that, it's air rifle and center fire we used, how did that translate to the your adaptation? I mean, coming from the center fire world to the air world, um, being familiar with the glass, you know, with the long-standing relationship with Lucid and how you have developed all your reticles, all your product from the shooting bench forward and, you know, every bit of information needed in there, you know, knowing the operation of the optic. Um, you know, all the tools were were there when I transitioned to air and I threw an L5 on there. I knew what that reticle's doing. I knew, you know... I had the information. I had the right tools in the toolbox to to connect the shots. Um, you know, it's uh, it's all about you know the tools, the toolbox, and what you're going to do with it. More importantly, what you're able to do with it, and then you put yourself through the paces. You've gone the learning curve. Um, the gear can't do it all for you. It helps, but it's got to be shooter operator. Yeah, absolutely, and you got to also. Um, you know, anytime you're at the range and stuff or competition, yeah, you're going to have bad shots. You're going to not perform the way you're performing in your head. And just like pro athletes do, you got to be able to like, just, you know, let those fly off you. Don't get down on a bad shot. Don't get down on a bad read. Just let it fly, fly off. Just keep in your routine. Keep, you know, doing what you do. You have the mechanics, you have the skill set, just deliver it. And, you know, in a competition-type show, by being able to do that instead of getting hung up on a, you know, oh, man, I missed this target altogether. Oh, my God. And you stay in the competition. You stay in the fight. You don't just take yourself out of the competition. You know, you got to still have that performance mindset. We we see that a lot with students. They'll they'll kind of start going down a path where they're, they're missing their doing whatever and then they they get frustrated and they just keep compounding their problems instead of just let it go 
focus on the next shot. Absolutely. And, and do the work. Yeah, you know what? They make more ammo. Right. So you got a, a basic redneck from Wyoming, and he's joined a national TV show with a cast of characters that are a who's who in the shooting world of air guns specifically. And I watched that show, and you did really, really well and put out some pretty impressive shooters. You know, I, my only goal on the show was to not finish last, and <laughs> I, thank God, did that. Um, but, yeah, I was up against uh, multiple people that competed on Top Shot, Olympic gold medalist shooters, multiple uh, world champion shooters in multiple disciplines, and some of the nicest, most amazing humans on the planet. Um, the camaraderie, uh, it wasn't, you know, just so cutthroat, you know. It, it was a lot of us, you know, that hadn't been in the air world came in, and the people that are from the air world were helping us out. We had we were on the test range, and it's like, hey, try this. Hey, this pellet, you know, likes to respond like this. It was a whole lot of helping each other, and that's one thing I will say, not just about the air world, but the firearm world in general, the camaraderie of the sport and the helping out your fellow shooter to grow and progress the sport is amazing. And we've we've talked about that before here. Um, just the fact that even in competition and, and training and whatever, uh, people are there to help each other. Uh, we all want to see each other grow as shooters. Absolutely. No matter where you walk into it, everybody's there to help each other and get better. And that's how we progress the sport. That's how we grow the industry. I mean, that that's just a win for everyone. You know, next time you go to a match, next time you go, you know, to the range, you know, help your fellow shooter, help your, your you know, competitor. You know, let's grow the sports together. Let, let's progress this. Let's move the ball down the field. Well, in the, the spirit of moving the ball down the field, let's uh, give a shout-out to all those guys that are kind of reached a point where they've center fired out where they have a plateau right and we're encouraging to take on a challenge of some air gun um what kind of gear should they look at and start with yeah you know uh again i knew nothing about it when i got this call and the wonderful folks at umarex um who make a huge 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 selection of air guns they are wonderful to go with for you know, starting out, getting your feet wet. What do I want to learn to shoot? They have every caliber from 22 all the way up to 50. And, you know, get find your price point. Wait, 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 wait. 50 caliber in an air gun? Oh, yeah. The Umarex Hammer, 50 cal. The Air Force LSS Texan, 50 caliber. I mean, hunt with these things in a lot of states. There's a Great guide online on Umarex's website that will show you what state's air is approved for hunting, and it's growing by the day. You see those states just continually get filled in, and, you know, you can ethically take down, you know, any animal you can think of with air. Let me ask you this. So a lot of, especially newer shooters, get intimidated by recoil, by the noise. Um, are those things somewhat eliminated with an air rifle you know uh one nice thing about air rifle you can throw a suppressor on there without a tax stamp without anything uh air suppressor is just an accessory to the gun you can buy at the time of the gun you do have a projectile leaving the barrel roughly a thousand feet per second so you are going to get some report off of that when you fire it but it is not like shooting a 50 bmg right now you know it's not like shooting a 6.5 not like shooting a 12 gauge um you know, you can tame that down with a very affordable, uh, no red tape uh, air gun suppressor for whatever device you buy, and you don't even know you shoot the thing. You don't feel the recoil. Uh, one of my favorites is a twenty-five caliber. Have that suppressed, and I shoot that in my backyard all day long training. Um, you know, I'll pick the windiest of the days out here, and I'll go out and I'll shoot. You know, five hundred rounds, and it costs me hardly anything. So we've always talked about starting new shooters with like a, you know, a twenty-two caliber. Maybe we ought to start looking at air guns. It's an amazing world. I mean, the products out there are so well built by so many companies. It helps the shooter build the the, the fundamentals. You know, let's 
let's build the base. Let's see what the optic does. Let's learn firearm safety through this. And we're not blowing a buck around or two bucks around or three bucks around. You're pennies a pellet. And you're learning the fundamentals. You're learning the safety. And you're doing it economically. I'm not really seeing a downside here. There is none. We get some comments about the gear you have to get in to support your air gun habit. Um, compressors are, you know, myth thought to be very expensive. Uh, scuba tanks aren't necessarily commonplace. I mean, what do you need to feed this thing? You know, uh, air gun has many, many, many avenues. Um, what we shot on the show primarily was uh, PCP, pre-charged pneumatic, which is from a high-powered compressor, typically 3,000 to 4,500 PSI. And that compresses either the tank directly on the gun or a scuba-style tank that you would fill the gun off of. And that is your power. That is your, your gunpowder, in a sense, to propel those projectiles. There is also CO2 that you can readily get CO2, uh, 12 gram, 20 grams from Walmart, Target, wherever, to propel uh, certain air guns. There's also Springer style, where you bend the barrel, uh, it has a break point, you load your pellet, you put it back, and as it goes back, it charges itself. So you don't need the compressor. Um, for certain air guns with the smaller, uh, lower uh, PSI tanks on them, you can get away with a hand pump to pump them up and train all day. There are a lot of companies that make a uh, small portable compressor, Umarex being one of them. Um, for under, you know, six, $700, you have a full 4,500 PSI compressor that attaches to either your car battery or right uh, in your shop to charge up your guns or your tanks to hit the range. Now, you mentioned the spring-powered air guns. And from an optics guy, those things make me nervous because they are notorious for the frequency of how they work rattling optics apart. So do you have to look for specific optics on a spring tap gun? You know, on the springers I have, um, you know, it's good to learn iron sights. I learned iron sights on the springers. They were great. Also, I threw some of your Lucid product on there, and, you know, it did darn good. So that's an endorsement we held up. Yeah, uh, I, I still have to break uh, some of your products. I've tried really hard, too. Well, you got a new one now you can try. Oh, I, I'm going to have that thing broke by by the time I get back to town, probably. Well, I hope not. But, yeah, so for the professional audio help, I handed Brian one of the brand-new P8s. They're not even commercially available yet. And just for the simple help and the longstanding relationship we have with Brian, I wanted to make sure he had some of the new hotness. And I tell you guys, I mean, you can't see me right now. You're just you're just hearing me, but I'm holding this P8 optic in my hand. This thing is so well built. It is a four times magnification etched glass reticle, blue illumination, powered by a single AAA battery. I mean, it feels like a tank. Like if this bar starts falling apart, I'm going to hammer it back together with this thing. Well, and the stupid thing broke my brain. Um, when I when I first started out in the AR world. I was running a 4X. Now, the change that was made, and I, and I believe uh, Jason will correct me on this. Um, this is prismatic, correct? That is correct. Okay, because normally with a 4X, you're going to get parallax when you're up close, and it doesn't exist with that optic. And that threw me for a loop because I can run that both eyes open in a room distance situation, and the reticle shows up clear. Well, yeah. I mean, let's be geeky for a second. Parallax does exist in every optic, especially if it has magnification. Yes, it does. With this one specifically, however, I managed the parallax inside four feet. If you are worried about your parallax point of impact shift inside four feet on a carbine, we're having different issues. No, you're just like you're like magic. Because this wasn't engineering. This was you. You like back there like making deals with the devil yeah there there's like science in this <laughs> mike desargo called it wizardry but it's really just physics yeah well i haven't taken that class yet so it doesn't apply yeah it's, it's, it's if it truly is wizardry in here i'm changing it from the p8 to the hp8 the harry potter 8 <laughs> 
Well, I look forward to hearing your comments on it. I'm wildly interested to find out what platform you put it on. You know, uh, I, I think we maybe uh, open this up to the listeners, and uh, if you comment below, what platform do you want me to put this on? How should I abuse the first P8 that's out in the wild? And keep in mind that Brian has available to him pretty much every platform made. Now, wait, 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 wait. You guys want to see this on a 50 BMG AR? You, you, because you I just abuse. found one of those last night. Oh, my gosh. Oh. All right. I'll welcome the data because it's Brian. <laughs> <but> <laughs> normally, abuse is a word I don't like to hear. I think that would go perfectly on top of my M1. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it might. You know, uh, with all this snow we have out here, we might be mounting this to the XM42 flamethrower to clear the walk later. Right. I've debated that. However, I'm worried that it's going to cause more of an ice sheen than actually it fixes. Uh, very true. Very true. Well, you got to do something to get the drift out of my driveway. Yeah, it's uh, that was an adventure. Four-wheel drive, baby. Yeah, it's uh feel bad for the person coming out here in the Prius. Oh, they ain't making it. Yeah, so when our when our kids moved out here, they they showed up on a toaster on wheels and street tires, and it, they barely moved since they moved up here. Oh no, you've you've trapped them at the house with the snow and the new baby. Oh no, <laughs> oh we gotta we gotta get that toaster upgraded. We need a uh, toaster XL, right? Well, they did get them Starlink today, so at least they have Internet. The best thing ever. If you are in rural America and you have not checked out Starlink, do yourself a favor. It will change your life. It's like big boy Internet. It's real Internet out in the country. No wires, no nothing, like satellites and science and technology and stuff. Just magically bringing you Amazon and YouTube and all sorts of goodness to your phone. And I and I found out last night when we were when we were setting up the kids internet the the satellite itself is actually self-heating so oh, yeah. that it re- it self-removes snow. Yeah, it it de-ices itself. Thank you Elon Musk. Yes. Okay, now we're talking about wizardry. Oh, well, it's got a heater. Yeah, I mean as it, it should. How does it know when to heat? It, it's got uh, apparently it's got some kind of a thermostat in it. When it gets below freezing, it heats. Yeah, it's magic. Although we haven't seen above freezing, I think today is the first time we saw above freezing temperatures in like nine weeks. Yeah. Does this uh, HP eight, the Harry Potter eight, uh, self heat? Is this a self heater, Jason? No. Well, darn it. Only when it's on fire. You know, we and we Brandy chimes uh, in. I I need to link you and Elon up. Let's uh, let, let's get some. Wait, wait, wait. You know Elon well enough to link us up. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Well, it, it wouldn't surprise me with the people that you know. So the first time I met Brian, three four years ago, um, we were sitting on Jason Wilson's deck, and it was after a class. And we were drinking a little bit, and Brian shows up with this bottle of tequila that he decided that I needed to share with him. Casa Dragones. Oh, God. And after we finished like three-quarters of this bottle of tequila, he tells me it's like $4,000, and he got turned on to it by Oprah. Yeah, as one does, you know. (laughs) You know, uh, doing a private event at her house with one of my clients and had a round of... uh, Probably 1942 or some other kind of tequila on a, a tray ready to go back to the dressing room. And I hear, oh, no, 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 you don't want that. You should really try this one. And that opened my eyes to a brand new tequila that is absolutely delicious. They have all sorts of different levels of it. The one we had after the class was one of their higher-end uh, limited sipping tequilas that is phenomenal. Like yeah, but we weren't sipping that night. Well, bigger sips, I guess. <laughs> Let me get this straight. We, we're talking about a four thousand dollar bottle of tequila. I, I think it was like twelve, fifteen hundred ish. Okay, so um, it, they still, they it, do it, have some higher end ones. It, it, it's on the higher end of the tequilas that I know. Yeah. And what would be the side effects of a higher end tequila? Fun. Um, yeah. Enjoyment. You, you checked on me the next morning. <laughs> you were not well. I was not well, and we had to do a class that day. That's why you uh, get the Lucid Optics cup holder that is also a Picatinny rail mount for your Pedialyte. I need that. 
Yeah. Brian so, built me the one and only at the moment, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's safe tucked away in my vault. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I uh, have the good fortune of working in the entertainment business. I work in music uh, from right here in Riverton, Wyoming. Um, got an opportunity to go on tour at a very, very young age, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I do tour and production management, audio engineering, whatever needs to be done to make the show happen. Uh, I've been blessed to tour the uh, globe with uh, such artists as uh, Gwen Stefani, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Korn, Sublime, um, you name it, I've probably worked with them. And, you know, seen the world on someone else's dime, experienced things that uh, could only dream of. Now, you just got, are, are you still on tour with the Doobie Brothers? Still on tour with the Doobie Brothers and, and Michael McDonald, the 50th anniversary tour for the guys. And, and you said you really enjoyed this one because about Absolutely. 1 o'clock is nap time. Absolutely. These guys are some of the nicest humans on the planet. Um, 50 years, actually 53 years now they've been rocking. And I tell you what, the show every night, they bring it. It's live music, live vocals. It is absolutely great, and they are just amazing human beings to work with. And if you haven't seen them live, go check them out. We're out on tour all this next year, all around the world. We got Australia, Asia coming up. We got Europe, U.S. Um, we're still go 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 with the guys. Where can someone find a, a calendar of dates you guys are playing? I'd hit up that old internet thing. I bet you it's got all sorts of information on all there. Right. So, as you may notice, with, with about a 20-minute tutorial that Brian gave us, I, I think you're going to see our sound quality vastly improved. Well, I, I, I watched some videos online, and I see it at Holiday Inn Express, so I hope we got this sound thing figured out. He rolls into this makeshift sound studio we call a bar and starts throwing around audio terms and technical jargon and turning dials and messing with the computer software and he has changed the entire sound of the show all for the better i'm assuming i'm i'm going to say it's all for the better just just looking at the metrics on the screen you know if not you know please send my hate mail to lucid optics care of jason wilson riverton wyoming 82501 i will take all of that mail and forward it directly to brian's mother Ooh. that's rough you're going to go straight to his mom? You went there. Arlene is a wonderful woman. Uh, uh, agreed, but you're going to get cut off from ginger snap cookies, mister. I've never got ginger snap cookies. You always feed them to our buddy Fister. Yeah, it's, they don't last long after they hit his hands. So I, I once heard a story, and I, and I'm, I, and I want to hear your version of this, that you were, uh, I believe it was Christina that you were, or maybe it was Gwen, you were interviewing to run her um, her tour, and you got a phone call in the middle of this meeting from your dog. Um, yeah, he does like to uh, call from time to time. He is uh, very needy. A uh, little papillon named Moose. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Moose is my dog. Uh, wonderful, wonderful little fella. Um, yeah, he likes to uh, just you know demand treats from time to time. You know, so. Uh, you know, we'll pick up the little puppy phone and uh, give a ring. So you have a mechanism where your dog can call you and request a treat. Well, used to. Uh, that privilege has since been revoked. Oh, what oh, did, did he do? Did Moose get a fat butt? Well, he is on a diet right now. We have been kind of watching his treat intake. And, uh, you know, just been a little too demanding, needing uh, extra dinner here, extra dinner there. We don't want him in those size 62 uh, 5'11 pants. Now, this is not the first time you've been put on restriction with Moose, though. I mean, I understand you have a collection of hand paintings of Moose. You know, as as a person uh, does care about their dog, you should really accentuate your living environment with uh, paintings of them. Uh, you know, so there might be a various uh, uh, paintings done of Moose as, say, Biggie Smalls or a general in the Army or, uh, you know, astronaut. And, uh, you know, uh, may or may not have been cut off from purchasing any more of these. So you have a, a big Moose Love Me wall in your house? Yeah, uh, several. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just uh, you know that I I I, you I need can't to disagree your, with that. Up your dog painting game, Jason. I'm gonna have to do exactly that. Um, my dog painting game is non-existent at the you moment. You know, your your dog is a cat. You know, my little my yeah my new little pit. He likes to sit on the back of chairs. So he <laughs> is like a cat. That is true. He's not as smart as a cat. No, no, he's really sweet though. I I heard he uh, may or may not have been stuck in a corner recently. I did. I rescued him from a corner the other day. The poor puppy, walk in the house and. Here he is, nose in the corner like he'd been putting, you know, time out. And I, I called his name. And he turned to the right and bounced his head off the refrigerator and went right back to the corner because it scared him. And then I called his name again, and he turned to the left and bounced his head off the wall, so he went right back to the corner. I walked over and put my hands on him and then backed him away from the corner so he could realize that there is another world outside his little space. And he was the happiest little guy just to see somebody new for a long, long time. Now, wait a minute. Your your dog got himself stuck in a corner. I don't know the circumstances that wound him up in the corner, but, yes, he seemed to be stranded, isolated, alone in a corner. Poor guy. Sweet dog. He's just not real bright. The fact that I, I have his brother. You do. And his brother is light years ahead. Light years? Well, the problem is he's he's far enough ahead that he's dangerous. Like nurture, I, not nature. I can't discuss. I cannot keep him out of things. Interesting. Explain that. Well, his favorite is the bathroom trash can. Shut the door. I have shut the door. He I shut open all the, door? the doors. He can't. His brother. Well. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You have an enabling brother. I, I, I do. So, so we have two pits. We have one that's that's three years old, and then we have the one-year-old. The three-year-old can open doors. Although, I will say this: that spending time with the younger pit, I think, has made him dumber. Very interesting. Either that or he's putting on an act so his brother doesn't feel so bad. What I think that that's it right there. He was a dog owner. I don't spend enough time with him. I don't know. Although they will sit and shake your hand. Hmm. So, again, they're really, really sweet animals, just not necessarily all that bright. They are sweet, but I'll tell you this. Um, do not try to be aggressive towards my wife or my granddaughter they will rip you apart and then that that's fair that's part of their job but we are painting a picture where moose is a mensa member here by comparison he probably is yeah it's uh he's got his card well he's got a security badge yeah he's uh he's pretty up there what other credentials does moose does moose have a firearm yeah he uh carries a small little mini glock uh Little moose, moose size one. I I thought I I I did think you told me one point that moose is a certified Glock armor. Yeah, possibly. Uh, he's also in Notary Public. A uh, I believe he just got uh, ordained, possibly um, for any dog weddings or uh, anything like that coming up. You know, he's uh, growing the uh, alphabet behind his name. So. He's you know following in your footsteps, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. You spent some time um, building your resume, if you will. Um, so sometimes you just get bored, and you're like, you know, I want a bunch of other stuff on my business card. And you go through the internet, and you see what you can accomplish with a small bit of cash and a whole lot of incentive. So uh, things that I know that have come up. You are an ordained minister. Yep. You are a bounty hunter. Yep. And you're a Scottish lord? Oh, yeah, definitely. So tell me about what it takes to be a, a lord in Scotland. Well, uh, me and one of the uh, people I tour with ended up uh, buying some land in Scotland, uh, big enough plots that we uh, both got lorded. Uh, we also had small miniature castles made to put on our land. And uh, with the deluxe package, you also were able to get a tree planted in your honor on your plot with a, uh, uh, we'll call it a royal plaque next to it. So on uh, my royal piece of property in Scotland and uh, the tree there, it says, From this day forth, 
Lord Froggy shall always have wood in Scotland. And this is why we hang out. That's simply amazing. Yeah, it's the little things, you know. It's just the little things. You know, so it's 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 like firearm collection. It's the little stuff. Like, why only have a few, uh, you know, 50 cals? Why, why not have an AR-50 cal? And I think I sent Jason the photo of this last night that I may or may not have to purchase. And um, maybe up my health insurance for shoulder surgery after buying this thing. Well, if it's a gas gun, it actually probably should help you recoil, but... You know I'll I'll bring it in and I will transfer it for you. No uh, problem. Twenty inch barrel, fifty BMG, AR. Yeah, that could be a handful. To be fair, I was looking at a four fifty eight lever gun. Ooh, yeah. With an eighteen inch barrel, and I went, nope. Now, this is <laughs> a bishop. Yes. And to be fair. Marissa Bishop is kind of known for boomers, and they're a little painful. Ooh. She builds their lever guns on ridiculous cartridge platforms. Yes. The bigger, the better. She, I think she's kind of following in Linebaugh's footsteps. That's interesting. Hmm. So which of these lever guns are you really considering? I'm not. Now, I oh, am... Oh, you, you got to get one now. I, I'm actually kind of interested in her 458 in a bolt gun. Now, this is a SOCOM or a... Uh, no, it, they're, she's calling it a four, 458 Bishop. She's got her own cartridge. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Um, when we were at SHOT Show, I, I was talking to her, and she handed me a couple of pieces of brass, um, 375 and a 458, and the 375 will just about drop into the 458 cartridge. Wow. What would you use these cartridges for? Squirrel. Squirrel. Okay. All right. You could vaporize prairie dogs. You could probably vaporize a coyote. Interesting. So T-Rex on down for the most part. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I, I support this 100%. (laughs) Brian Cross endorsed. Now. And a Lucid Optics P8 would look wonderful on top of that. Actually, it might on a lever gun. I I think it would. Oh, yeah. I think it would. I'm getting the, the, the notice that I'm, I'm not speaking close enough to the mic, so if you heard me trailing off, I apologize. You have to make love to the mic. Yeah, every time you pull off the microphone, that is a one-shot penalty. Oh, God, I'm going to get drunk. That's bad. One-shot penalty off the microphone. Well, we got to get Brandy at least, let's see, you're, you're, you're one and a half in. we got to get you one more at least, and then you're going to get really talkative. She's tired, dude. Uh, she doesn't feel well. It's probably not going to happen. I'm trying to read the shirt she has on right now. It says, please fuck off. See, I'm polite. She said, she did said please. That is very polite. That shirt actually got her in trouble with the vet. Go ahead wow. and tell that story, Brandy. Oh, come oh. on. She's looking at me shaking her head. No, come no, on. No, no, no. She, she had a cat that she was having some problems, and it was an old cat. Um, probably her best friend from the dawn of time. And she wore this shirt into the veterinary office to get the cat looked at and had a clash with one of the, the veterinary owners there over the seemingly rudeness of her hoodie. Um, All you have to do is say back to her, I have no idea what it says. I can't read. I mean, just she shouldn't be rude to you just for the sake of the cat. I mean... Was it was it Cindy Clawford you brought in? Best cat name ever. Uh, Cindy Clawford. This cat's name was Magic. Magic. Oh. Okay. How this, can you be mad at Magic the cat? Oh, this cat and I, we had a history. So Brandy and I started dating, where were we at? Was it five years ago? And she had Magic. And he hated my guts. Um, like hated with a burning passion to the point that when he finally did pass at 18 years old mind you this cat had three teeth no claws was diabetic had to get shots twice a day um decided to finally kick the bucket on my birthday winning 
He, right? He did. He, he did win. What a dick. <laughs> Cats are dicks. Yeah. Not tactical of him at all. <laughs> and now he have gone wildly off topic. How did we get to cats from guns? Well, that's that's what we do here. Again, this uh, presentation is brought to you by Coors Light, Michelob Ultra, and other fine, fine distilled beverages. I was just trying to get Brandy to get engaged and tell a story, but she refused. Oh, she doesn't talk unless she has something to say. And when she has something to say, look out. Hmm, maybe we mentioned that 6.5 PRC cartridge. Well, she did manage to steal a long action from me that's getting rebarreled into a 6.5 PRC and dropped into a chassis that I bought for me, but apparently it's her color, so... If it ever, ever, ever gets rebarreled. Well, you got to talk to Matt Chalice about that. I actually sent the details off. It's being rebuilt as we speak. I thought it was already done. I know. That's what we were told. But You should just switch wrong. it up to 8.6 Creedmoor or 8.6 whatever the heck's going on. Because I don't need ammo. Is that the 8.6 Blackout? That's the one. Yeah, no. She wants to go long. Oh, it's always I, a I, size I, thing. I was I was building her a mile gun. Oh, uh, yeah. You'd have to arc that 8.6 quite a bit to get a mile out of it. It's, it's, it's a, a subsonic cartridge, yeah. but... The 6.5 PRC will get there. <laughs> you have to walk it out to a mile. <laughs> like physically walk like, it Like physically hand carry the projectile out to a mile. I, I I have managed a mile with a 308. It took about eight rounds to get there, and when it got there, it looked like a cat scratch going down the target. Yeah, but I, we had to re-zero your rifle at 1,000 yards to get it done. No, I just had to aim at the cloud. I, I, th- I think I did that with my 308 with the very bent scope. I really wish you'd let me replace that one. Let, let me tell you how well these uh, Lucid L5s are built. I have a 308 that has not been touched in years and years and years as far as changing the zero. I'll pull this thing out of the truck. I'll walk it out to a 1,000 and back blindfolded. And this optic has been dropped like probably stepped on who knows but the back half of the optics bent and it jason looks at this thing and just cringes like let me replace this let me update this this is like gen 1 l5 that's on this thing and it is still just knocking steel left and right all the way out to a thousand and back and our agreement stands when you actually miss a shot with it you'll let me replace it i've had people at the range like look at that thing and be like oh my god who's this guy and they'll they'll be on their big you know multi thousand dollar rig and stuff you know missing targets left and right. I pull that thing out and cold bore you know six eight hundred yarders and like what in the hell's going on there? I'm like, oh, now this it still can works. shoot around corners, right? Yeah, it should. It really should. The way that thing's bent. That's so ridiculous. Just let me replace it. It'll look better. Not the same. It's like that comfy pair of shoes. Underwear is broken at this point. Yeah, exactly. The, there are holes in it, you know, and they're there for a reason, so everything can breathe. Well, fair enough. I mean, if you like it and it's working, I'm going to leave you alone. But when you do finally miss a shot with that, I'm going to hold you to your agreement. Okay. You heard it here. Well, there, there's some other things on an, on another podcast that would ever get posted I could open some doors with that, but, uh, you know, we got to talk to Jason Atkins about that. We'll get there. Well, we're getting down to it. Brian, I really appreciate all of your help and coming on the podcast with us. You are always a wealth of information and humor. Um, Thanks for letting me stop by and drink all your Coors Light. You know what? There's another case, I think, somewhere. Uh, you are more than welcome to drink at our bar at any time. Uh, anybody else closing arguments? No, I just appreciate Brian's all help in, in, in sound engineering. He did an exceptional job getting us put on the right path. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thank you guys for a great podcast. You know, listeners, you know, tell a friend about it. Have you guys join, uh, jump on Podbean, get the podcast downloaded. And check out this wealth of information to make you a better shooter, learn about products, and also just have a great laugh. That's what we do here.
Thanks, Brian. Thank you, guys.